what's wrong with this thing? Yeah, it's not on. Um, so, yeah, he's like, I don't feel that well. And I'm like, so, like, how, how are you? And he's like, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. Um, so I was like, listen, I've got a full day. So you need to tell me right now. Um, he's like, I'm good. I'm going to teach. I want to teach. I've prepared. And then a couple hours ago, he wrote it. And he's like, I'm not coming, but I'm, I want to record. I want to teach. So anyway, he's going to teach. He has a word for us. Um, but I did want to open us up with just a review. And I do think, um, you know, part of our times together, and this is really important. We, we just were meeting as a, as a teaching team. Um, you know, remembrance and re- recall is a really important um, tool in the learning process. And so um, probably most classes, we're going to keep going back to the acronym. We're going to keep going back to our timeline. So I brought it up here with me. Um, how many of you have a timeline? Do you, does everyone have a timeline? Okay, if you don't have a timeline, we can get you one. But this is really important to have as you're doing your studies and actually have one up on our table in the office um, spread out as well. And it's really great if you're studying to put it on your table and be able to c- uh, quickly reference it. Um, but if, if a table leader or someone has theirs tonight, if you can just spread it out on your table, I think that's a really good thing for us to do um, when we go through sessions together because um, we're going to be memorizing. Tammy has some extras. If you need one, just slip up your hand um, and, we can, and we can get you one. Um, if you want to uh, have it open tonight, we're going to be where we left off last time. Remember all of our kings, our 22 kings uh, in the southern kingdom. Um, you want to reference somewhere just before Hezekiah is where we are tonight. And um, we're moving from exile uh, into exile and then eventually into temple as we finish. Um, but we're going to be talking about prophets tonight like Isaiah and Micah. And you're going to see them listed there on your timeline. Somebody can probably find it right now and point it out to the table uh, where these guys were prophesying. Uh, particularly to the southern kingdom. And as we get into the content tonight, they were forewarning of judgment uh, because of um, Judah's disobedience. And so um, if you can kind of spot that on the timeline and and, kind of get there, that'll help you to frame up generally where we are tonight um, as we move towards eventual exile, uh, in exile uh, with our friends like Daniel, and then uh, uh, coming back and restoring and rebuilding uh, the temple. So <laughs> let's start with our um, acronym. Um, and I'm just going to have you call it out, and I'll look to different sides of the room. But let's start with uh, C. All right, awesome. All right, let's, let's go to A. Okay. Um, <laughs> S. Sign okay. K. All right. E. Exile. We're starting that tonight. Um, T. All right. Can we keep going? No? We can. We can do it. Okay. E. Expectation. Good job, Liam. All right. M. Messiah. He's here. Okay. Uh, P. Pentecost. Acts 2, Pentecost. Um, All right. T. Teachings. All right. And then Y. Okay. It's a come. Great. All right, and then we introduced last time. If you have your timeline out, you've got your acronym. Uh, let's go to our coat hangers. Do you guys remember our three uh, major um, you know, kind of coat hangers, if you will, that we're hanging all of the Bible off of? And they're the same three for the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let's start with the first one. Foundations. Okay, and for the Old Testament, what we're studying, the Hebrew Testament, what's included in the foundations? The Pentateuch, okay? So Penta, five, Tuch is book in Hebrew. So five books are the Torah, the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? And Deuteronomy, you'll remember, means uh, second law. So it's a repetition from Moses of the law. But those are the foundations of the Old Testament. What's the, what's the next coat hanger? Israel. 
History, right. And how many books do we have of history in the Hebrew Testament? Great job, guys. Twelve, okay? From Joshua to Esther are 12 books of history. Um, So then what's our third category? Instruction, okay? You guys have probably heard me um, talk about this a little bit on Sunday mornings, too, so you're you're ahead. Um, But instructional books, and how many instructional books are there in the Hebrew Testament? 22. That's exactly right. So we start with Job, and we go all the way through Malachi. And our, our instructional books in the Old Testament are broken into two different categories. Do you guys remember the two categories of the instructions? Prophets and, and, and poets. Prophets and poets. Um, so five poets and 17 prophets. And remember, our poets and our prophets and the instructional piece of the Hebrew Testament are amplifying history. So it's not that um, there's not history in the prophets and poets. It's not that there's not foundational material there. It's that their primary aim is to amplify the history of the story as the people of God are living out the foundations in the Hebrew Testament. Does this make sense? Okay. And then just real quickly, we talked about it on Sunday together, but when we go into the New Testament, we'll talk about this a little bit when we flip uh, next year in our curriculum, uh, but we have the same things. We've got foundational materials, and what are those? The Gospels, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. And we have a historical book, our, our next coat hanger, and what is that? The Book of Acts, that's the, the, the history of the church. Uh, by the way, the, uh, the book of James that we're studying together takes place somewhere between Acts 12 and Acts 15, somewhere around 48 AD. The Council uh, of Jerusalem is in 49 in Acts chapter 15. James writes just before the Council, somewhere between uh, Acts 12 and Acts 15. Uh, But you can see how the instruction is not necessarily advancing history, it's amplifying history. And then, of course, our third uh, category in the New Testament is, as well, instruction, right? And we have the same thing, 22. Um, We have 22 books from guys like James and Jude and John and Peter and Paul and an unknown uh, for for, for Hebrews. Okay, is that helpful? Okay, so if we take our our timeline on our table there uh, of Scripture, uh, we overlay our acronym— a casket empty, a casket for the Hebrew Testament, empty for the New Testament. And then we put our, our coat hangers, you know, uh, foundations and history and instruction. We're, we're starting to cook here. Um, we, we could probably sit down with somebody uh, over the lunch hour and be able to at least help them to understand how these 66 books of the Bible fit together um, and, and begin to give them a little bit of order and understanding about how God speaks and moves throughout the history of time and how the scriptures specifically, you know, speak to that and help them to understand as they pick up. Because one of the things, guys, you know, when we're talking about disciples making disciples with the academy, the people get so, and we do, get so overwhelmed with the Bible. You know, um, you hand someone, I can't tell you how many guys have come into my office through the years, and they're like, um, this is a leather-bound, you know, ESV study Bible. It's 65,000 pages. Um, my wife bought it for me for Christmas. It cost $1,000. I don't know what to do with it. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. But it's, it's like, you know, um, their wife wants them to read the Bible so badly that I bought you the top of the line Bible and it's got your name on it in gold and it's got whatever. And they're like, I really want to do this, but I have no idea what to do with this. Um, and we've all been there in different, in different ways. And I think understanding, like, even something about um, how are the books of the Bible laid out together? How do I understand how this fits together? 
a lot of people don't realize that when, you know, the Bible's not ordered in chronological order. I mean, we learned that early on in our class, but a lot of people don't know that. So if you're reading out of order, it's like, what's happening here? I'm reading Leviticus, but I'm also reading the Psalms, and I have no idea how this all fits together. Um, and that's part of our job as disciple makers is to sit down with someone and say, well, well let me help you with this, uh, and let me show you these things. And so, again, part of repetition, repeating this together is that we, we know it rotely, and we're able to sit down, and when someone begins to ask the question, we can lay it out for them. So tonight, we're beginning exile, and um, hopefully you've been able to engage your, your work some this week, and we're going to start around our tables um, just by having some discussion around what were your major takeaways um, from the week as you studied, as you read you know, Micah 6, as, 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 you, as you read in Isaiah and some of the passages. Um, what were some of the things that stuck out to you from, from our week? And then we'll go into our first teaching. So uh, let's circle up around our tables and talk about our big takeaways from this week. Hey, good evening, friends. I'm so sorry that I couldn't be with you tonight. I've been under the weather all day, but I uh, wanted to um, contribute to the teaching by sending you some videos to just maybe spur on great conversation for you tonight. Know that I'm praying for you and hope that you have an amazing time in community and fellowship and just exploring God's bigger story together. Um, now, as I was thinking about the teaching tonight, um, where we're exploring this um, period of history uh, where kings are kind of at the forefront of, of the conversation, uh, I want to come from a little bit of a sideways angle and talk about um, a word called anamnesis. And anamnesis may be a word that you're not familiar with. It's a word that uh, I encountered several years ago. And uh, it's a really interesting um, idea. Anamnesis is the idea of a, of a lived memory, a lived memory. And so the concept is that our memories aren't just things that um, are, are somehow relegated to the, to the past, though uh, they started or began in the past, but memories are actually lived um, in the present as well. In other words, the things that we experience in our past, we, we carry with us into our present, and, and they really do um, have a way of, of informing and, um, and, and shaping our present life experience as well. And the interesting thing about being a, a Christian and being a part of a, a larger uh, story of the world is that uh, our memories aren't just um, things that have happened to us, but as a part of a kingdom community, as a part of an ancient fellowship of God's people, the things that have happened to God's people throughout history are also part of our collective memory. And so part of the power of scripture is the ability to read uh, ancient history that is indeed our own history and then be able to, to actually um, see how, how those memories of our collective past really do inform um, how we behave and how we view the world, how we view ourselves, how we view God in the present. And so I think that's a, a, a striking concept as we think about studying uh, history of any kind, but especially history of our faith. Um, that it was the same God, the same God, he hasn't changed, um, who was at work in all the stories that we read about in Second Chronicles and in um, Isaiah and Micah and all the texts that we read uh, for this evening's lectures. And so um, you may notice I'm wearing a frayed shirt. This is actually the oldest shirt in my collection. Um, you might ask, like, Gabe, why are you why didn't you dress up? I understand you're sick, but like, why didn't you dress up for the class? Well, this is part of part of the talk. Um, this sh I've had this shirt since I was 15 years old, since I was 15 years old. 
And um, it is, you can't see the whole thing, but it's a South Mecklenburg football player of the week shirt that I received um, for, for being one of the best players in my uh, 10th grade year uh, playing on the varsity team at, for the South Mecklenburg Sabres. And uh, this is the oldest shirt I have because every time I clean out my closet, I cannot bring myself to get rid of it. And it's got holes in it and it's got paint stains on it um, and it smells a little weird. But um, I hold on to it. Why? Because when I look at this shirt, it's not just it's not just a shirt. It's not just a shirt that I, I, I like the color. I like how it fits or something like that. What I like about this shirt is the memory that it holds is that when I wear this shirt, when I look at the shirt, um, I remember a, a very particular point in my life um, being in 10th grade. And, and, and that was a big year in my life. Um, because that was the year that I started um, playing high school football. And that was a year that um, people in my life, my football coach, my uh, youth pastor, my parents spoke life into me in a way that would end up shaping me um, into the person that I am today. And so when I look at this shirt, I remember this particular point in my life's journey. And that memory is carried with me into the present. And, and I remember that I have a story and that this story is informing who I am and whose I am. And so this idea of anamnesis is, is a powerful concept. And so what I wanna invite you um, into is a time in your groups where I want you to um, take, take a few minutes and I want you to draw a picture. Um, you don't have to be an artist, you can just use lines and circles and stick figures and that kind of thing. But draw a picture of one of your favorite memories of all time, just something that sticks out for you. You know, if I was with you tonight, I, I'd, I'd draw a picture of, of a really bad picture, but a picture of, of me playing uh, football at South Mecklenburg and I would tell you the story that I just told you. So I want you to draw a picture of one of your favorite memories of all time. And then in your groups, I want you to share, um, you know, what about that event or what about the people or what about, you know, the things that happened to you at that moment in time are so memorable. Like, what is it about that that, that um, is so memorable? And then secondly, um, how does this memory still impact you today? So um, enjoy that time in conversation. I wish I was there to hear all of your amazing stories. Hey, welcome back, friends. We're going to continue our study tonight, and uh, I want to direct your attention to Second Chronicles chapter 34, and we're going to be in a little bit of the historical narrative, um, and, and what we're going to be looking at is our, our main theme of this section, which is um, remembering leads to repentance, which leads to restoration. Remembering leads to repentance, which leads to restoration. And I just want you to pay attention to um, the, the, the power of memory. Um, and the power of memory for leaders and the power of memory um, for the uh, collective um, community of God's people as well. And just pay attention to um, the way people remember and then um, the way that God responds uh, to, to that memory. Uh, so our story picks up in chapter 34 uh, with King Josiah. And it says King Josiah was eight years old when he began his reign. And I love the way that it describes his reign, it says that he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked with, in the ways of David, his father, and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. And you compare that um, to the way that uh, his predecessors are described. Uh, just a few verses before, it says Ammon was 22 years old when he began to reign and he reigned two years in Jerusalem and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord as Manasseh, his father, had done. 
And I just want to pause here for a second and make the point that, you know, um, we're, we're all invited into the story. God is writing his bigger story, but you and I were placed at a particular point in the history of people, in the history of the earth. And did you know that there's no one like you? You're unique in all the universe, and God made you, and he gifted you, and he placed you um, in your life, in your neighborhood, in your profession, with your family at this point in that history. Now, the question is, are you going to live um, a life and, and leave a legacy described uh, like Josiah, that at the end of it, when it's all said and done, no matter what your list of accomplishments or failures are, could it be said of you that you walked with the Lord all the days of your life and did not turn from to the right or to the left, and, um, and that you lived a life that reflected the beauty and the truth of God's bigger story? Or will, will you live a life um, like Ammon and Manasseh um, and that could be described as, as rebellious and doing evil in the sight of the Lord? Um, now, none of us live a perfect life, um, to be sure. But as followers of Jesus, um, we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit and we've been given the example of the Lord Jesus to, to, to walk with him and to be like him. And so I think it's a, it's a sobering moment when you realize that you have been given a great responsibility in your life to live and to, to lead a life that reflects God's bigger, grander story and points people to him. So that's where we start the story with Josiah, who was a faithful king. And it says that he began to act upon his belief that he had integrity and that he began to tear down the idols and that he began to uh, point people back uh, to the Lord God. Now, there's an interesting point, though, that happens in the story. Um, and it starts in verse 14. The text tells us that while they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, uh, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law the Lord had given through Moses. So apparently they had lost the actual law. Remember, these the law was the the, the Torah, the first five books, the book, books of Moses that had been written down that told them the foundational things about who God was and what he expected from them. And apparently they had, lo they had lost the physical copy of that. And, and, you know, isn't that the tragedy of leaders who lose sight of what's important? Um, is that the, the very um, law of God, um, the word of God, the foundational things that were meant to guide the people were lost and literally buried in, in rubble in a building. You know, I, I just, I think about, um, you know, my own life and, you know, we all have a copy of this book, the, the Bible. Probably most of us have more than one. But, you know, where is it in your home? Um, where is the place of God's word in your home? Um, is, it, is it the case that um, it, it comes out for academy and for, for church and then maybe gets put away on the backseat of the car uh, or relegated to a bottom shelf on the bookcase? Or is, or is it something that for you is, is alive in your home that that's out that is uh, at the center of your life informing all of your decisions and and shaping your view of the world um i i think there's so many things in this passage that just um really ought to shake us up and 
and say, you know what, we're not that different um, than the rulers of, of Judah who forgot God and forgot his word. Uh, we can be prone to that same thing. So, uh, so they find God's word, um, and it says that uh, Hilkiah the priest um, gives it um, to another guy named Shapin. And then it says, and when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Now, why do you think he tore his clothes? That seems like a strange reaction to finding a book, doesn't it? But I wonder what it is that he read. And I wonder what it is that he felt as he read the words of the law of God for the first time. You know, I don't know exactly what he read or exactly what he felt, but the following verses give us an indication. He says in verse 21, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. And so he realizes that there's a gap between the actions and activities of his nation and, and what he's reading, that, that, that the behavior of the nation and that maybe his own behavior, we don't know, um, wasn't exactly lined up with, with what he read. And it says he tore his clothes. In other words, he was sent into, into grief and lament. And isn't that the proper response when we're confronted with the gap between God's perfect standard and um, our actual lives. So uh, the verses that follow um, say that um, there's a, a prophetess named Hulda, and this is in verse 22. Um, and then she, she says this um, to the king, says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants, all the curses that are written in the book that was read before the king of Judah. Now imagine he read those curses and thought, Oh my gosh, these are, if this is true, we are done. And that led him to fear, I bet, and then also grief. Because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands, Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and its inhabitants, and you have humbled yourself before me and you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord." Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster I will bring upon this place and its inhabitants. And they brought back the word to the king. We need to pay attention to God's character here. He, he, he lists out in his word promises and curses, saying, you know, if you, if you, if you break this law, there's consequences. If you don't measure up to my perfect standard, there's consequences for that. But it says that God's heart was moved by the humility of Josiah. 
that, that he saw into the king's heart and, and saw that uh, he was a man uh, who remembered and who repented and, and who had humility and a, a posture of contrition before the Lord. And it says that the Lord's heart was moved and that he responded to that. You, you see, remembering, Josiah remembered. He, he, he found that law and then he remembered and he saw. There's a, there's a big gap between God's holiness and, and who I am and the way that we're living as a nation. And, you know, remembering leads to repentance for a heart that's softened and, and ready to receive that. And repentance leads to, to restoration and so it says, the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all the priests and the Levites and all the people, both great and small. Like, I love that line, all the people, great and small. No matter who you were, um, you, you went and, and the king gathered everyone. And then he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. You see... He didn't want to just keep it for himself. It wasn't enough that 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 God would would restore him, that God's mercy would go out to him. You see, Josiah wanted the people to receive the blessing as well, and so he reads the words and he invites them to remember as well. And it says the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in the book. And then he made all who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin join in it. And all the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations from the territory that belonged to the people of Israel and made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. In all his days, they did not turn away from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. And you know, I wish that the, the whole story just ended there. It doesn't. But this chapter, it, it's a beautiful end. You see that, that remembering God's word and, and remembering his covenant promises and remembering his love and his faithfulness, when our hearts are, are, are soft and ready to receive that, that leads to a repentance, a brokenness, a weeping and a sorrow, which leads because of God's character, to restoration. And that's what we see happen here for Josiah. You know, in, uh, the next line in, in the beginning of chapter 35, it says that Josiah kept a Passover to the Lord and then they slaughtered the Passover lamb. And I just think like that's a beautiful image of a restored people, a, a people, a repentant people who have remembered the story and, and that they're um, drawn back into the story and that after they repent and after they make a promise to follow God and, and he honors that, that what happens um, is that they, they celebrate at the table, at the Passover table. And I want to return to this idea of anamnesis. You see this lived memory because the Passover, what was it? What was it emblematic of? What was it remembering? was remembering when the angel of death passed over the Israelites in Egypt and God preserved their life because they put the blood of the lamb on the door. And when, when God saw the blood of the lamb, he passed over um, 
and did not issue his judgment and instead restored his people and called them out to be on mission with him. And, and so they celebrate this Passover with Josiah after they've remembered and been restored. And it's this lived memory. It's this remembering something from their collective past. But you see, it's also pointing to their collective future. Because we know that the, the Passover lamb would one day be the Lord Jesus who would make the ultimate sacrifice that all who would believe in his name, that all who would would be covered in his blood would not be subject to death, but would have eternal life, would not be subject to alienation from God, but would be united with God and restored in perfect relationship with him forever. You see, the story of Josiah, it's a beautiful story of a king and a people who, who found God's word, who remembered the bigger story and then aligned their smaller story to the bigger story. And in doing so, pointed to the even bigger story yet to come in the Lord Jesus. And I just want to leave us with this, this thought, and then we're going to go into our table groups and, and do some discussion. And that's that as the church, a kingdom people, um, we have this opportunity to remember as well, and we have an opportunity to forget as well. What will you do with God's word? What will you do with the truth of his bigger story that you've learned here? Will you put it away and and put it on the shelf and go about life as usual? Or will you embrace it? Will you remember in a deep way in the heart? And would you repent of ways that you see, you know, there's a gap between the way I'm living and and God's perfect standard? And, And would you be restored fully in your life to him through the power of the Holy Spirit because of the blood and the finished work of Jesus. It's a lot, friends, I know, but I hope this story and this history of of our ancient past together leads you um, to a place of life and repentance and restoration. Now, in our groups, um, we're going to go through some discussion questions, and I hope that's a fruitful and powerful time for you. And I miss you guys and look forward to seeing you next time.